Welcome to the Built to Serve podcast. I'm your host, Mike Favre. I'm the Military Workforce Development Coordinator for Performance Contractors. I'm here with Staff Sergeant Cade Rich, um, who's an intern with us, uh, been with us here for a while now. I'm going to mm-hmm. let him give an opportunity to introduce himself. How you, how you been? What you doing? I'm good. I'm on? good. Um, right now I'm in school. So I've been with Performance for about a year now. Okay. I'm going to school at LSU for construction management. Um, you know, from Baton Rouge, grew up in Baton Rouge. My parents had me when they were in college. So my my grandma would take care of me while they were finishing school. Okay. Well, originally, I was born in Monroe. They went to okay. ULM. Um, my dad was a cop. My mom working physical therapist. And then they graduated, moved to Baton Rouge. My dad was also military. And of four... He deployed, just had my sister. He was, okay. They were in the invasion of Iraq. Okay, was he in the Army? Uh-huh. Yes, okay. Sir. Army infantry. He was a platoon leader at the time. Okay. So, always grew up, you know, Roman Catholic family, mom's side, you know, super religious, dad, go. super strict, oh, you yeah. know, with the military. He raised me the right way. And uh, growing up, you know, uh, grew up here in Baton Rouge, went to Dutchtown High School. Played all the sports, uh, football, track, soccer. Okay. Had a good time. Always knew I wanted to join the military just from my father. And I don't know, I guess it was just in my blood. Yeah, you want to follow his footsteps. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Like, even when I was a little kid, like they'd be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, in like primary school. And I'd be like, I want to be an infantryman. And they're oh, like, yeah. what is that? And like, I want to go shoot people. <laughs> That's right. <You> know? <laughs> they're like, you can't say that. I, right, right. But I just always knew. And then... When I was time to graduate in 2017, that's really when my dad stepped in because I was going to go active duty, you know, on the enlisted side. Gotcha. He was like, no, go to school, get your degree with the Guard, the Army National Guard. Yep. Commission and then do, you know, get your degree first. That was mm-hmm. big priority. And at the time, I was like, man, screw this. I don't want to do that. I want to leave. Right. But now, looking at where I'm at now, he made the right call. Okay, so you're a staff sergeant. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in college at LSU. So how old are you? 24. All right, you're 24 years old, and you enlisted at how old? 18. All right, so six years. Yes, sir. And you're in E6. Yes, sir. In the U.S. Army National Guard. Mm-hmm. How how does that happen? I mean, literally, that's that's unheard of as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I got out. I did six active, two inactive, right? And I mm-hmm. got out as an E5, and I considered myself to be one hell of a sergeant, mm-hmm. right? So... You doing six years so far, and you're already six. How how does that happen? Going back to, I guess it's just the way I was raised, the environment I was brought up in. Right. My dad, hard work, hard work. No one's gonna do it for you. You right. have to earn it yourself. And you know, at the time, you know, being a young man like, or a kid right. in high school, you know, I was like, why is he always on me? You know, why is he doing this? But. Going through what I've been through and looking back now, he prepped me, you know. That's right. Doing it on my own at, you know, at 16 when I wanted my first vehicle, he's like, you get a summer job, you're going to buy your own vehicle, you know. So I bought me a little Jeep. You know, he just taught me how to work on my own. And then that's right. going into the military, you know, a lot of guys, especially at basic training, it's like a reality check. Mm-hmm. I was already ready for it. You know, I was prepared. That's right. I hit the ground running. Um, I was actually, you know how they... Wrote, you're supposed to rotate uh, leadership positions at basic uh-huh. training. Yep. Me and my buddy who just got out of 75th Ranger Regiment, 
he uh I was platoon leader, he was platoon sergeant the whole time through. Like we did such a good job that drill sergeant just kept us in our positions and then they would rotate the squad leaders. So got the leadership experience from basic, came out and got to the guard unit. And you know, the National Guard, they have a lot of mixed um personalities per se. All right. You get the lazy people who are just there. <laughs> Hey, you're there. AGR guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Active guard reserve. I'm sorry. Yeah, to get the get the check, check the box, and then there's the guys that are motivated and want to be there. And the you know the, the guard recognizes those guys. So I showed up, and no joke, my first drill, right? You know, I show up all. That's right. Parade rest, ready yeah. to go. Hoo, hoo, and they're like, they're like, dude, chill out. Yeah, yeah this is the guard. Man. Yeah, right. Took my PT test, maxed the PT test, and my platoon my company commander at the time was a uh, tab he uh tied in uh college at mcneese stud jungle school instructor and he had just took that command when i showed up okay so he singled me out you know as a e e2 or whatever i was <laughs> like you're gonna be my rto so i got to learn uh, uh, but- RTO, go go ahead and you have to elaborate yeah, because yeah. assuming that people from other branches that are watching this or even civilians, they don't know what RTO is. So elaborate. RTO is a radio transmission officer. Okay. So as a company commander, you have to have an RTO next to you to relay information up to battalion, which is the higher level, to pretty much paint the picture of the battlefield for the okay. people in the rear. Okay. All right, you know. so you're you're designated as the RTO. Yes, sir. And uh, first first drill, which is the monthly training that we do in the guard, mm-hmm. we had a ruck mark. We're light infantry, so okay. we ruck everywhere. No vehicles. We walking. It was a ruck oh. march ruck march competition, okay. and they were like one of the guys. They already had the team set, so I just showed up. They were like, right. "We need an extra guy." I was like, "I'll do it." And it was supposed to be a three man team, and I think it was six miles. I ran the whole thing, like dusted everybody, by like a good three minutes. Okay. And um, we ended up winning it. So, you know, off the bat, everybody was like, who is this? Who is this little dude? Okay, so you standing out. Yeah. There yeah. you go. So then he picked me up. Um, and the way we, we're a IBCT, an infantry brigade combat team. Yep. So we do rotations every five years. Yep. And each year... So it goes, like right now, since we just came back from an, our deployment, it, the cycle reset. So it's squad level, first year, platoon level, company level, and then brigade level at JRTC at Fort Polk. Okay. And then we roll out. So at the time, it was platoon level. Uh-huh. Or no, company level. It was XCTC, which is two stages before we deployed. Okay. So three years before we deployed. Right. And we were getting prepped to go overseas. You know, we didn't really know our mission yet. We knew we were going to either Kuwait or Iraq, mm-hmm. or Kuwait for sure, but we were going to get kicked out, you know. So being the the company commander's RTO, first first time we go to Camp Shelby to do all these big missions, and he's a he was a stud, like 6'4", 200 pounds. He'd be running. And me, I'm... <laughs> 130 pounds with my humongous Singar's radio in right. my ruck on top of all my other stuff, just hobbling along. My my ruck was so heavy, when I dropped down, I had to get guys to pick me up. Oh, yeah. Like, off the ground. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, he taught me a lot at a very young rank. 
So mm-hmm. I knew platoon level stuff and company level stuff, you know, sectors, sector sketches, op orders, all of that before I knew how to be a team leader. So something, something similar to the way you were raised, right, mm-hmm. by your dad. I mean, you're, you're, and this was your company commander? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Is, is pretty much playing the same role in your yep. unit. I mean, parents, adhere to this now. I mean, yeah. we could definitely all take some, take some notes from, th- from this right here. That's, uh, our youth is struggling today, you know, oh, yeah. or a lot of it, because we, we're not using those, these morals, mm-hmm. right? And, I mean, mm-hmm. we need to pass on the good information and strict rules so our future is is solidified. Absolutely. You know? So this is this is great stuff. Continue on. I'm sorry. The I like to call it the old school ways. That's right. You know, and even you know once I got up. So the way you rank up is performance evaluations. You know, marksmanship, shooting, PT test, right. all of that, peer evals, all those points, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from E1 to E4, if you don't, um, like if you don't exceed the standard it's an automatic promotion but if you exceed the standard we have what's called an ets list so all the when you're up for promotion everybody's ranked i was always in the top area to get promoted so i got promoted pretty fast up to e4 and then once you hit nco level which is sergeant and above then you have to start doing like your online courses basic leadership course all of that so at that time I had started going to school at LSU after basic training. Okay. So I was doing um, college for construction management, which is why I'm here now. That's right. And getting close to my NCO ranking. So mm-hmm. doing all the online school for that. Um, and, you know, like how I was raised, yeah. you get work, you knock it out. That's right. So I'd always be the first one done with DLC, ready to go whenever they called me. So I did that, um, got my E5. Became the heavy weapons gun team leader, which heavy weapons is your most experience, you know, with the 240 Bravo, yep. 50 cows, Mark 19s, you get trained on all those, the Javelin, all of that. And I loved it. I loved it. Okay. Those, the machine guns, those are, those are, that, the 240 is my baby. <laughs> I love it. I, lo- I could do it blindfolded, you know, for time, all of that. That's a 762 rifle, right? Uh huh. Yes, sir. Or, but it's not a rifle, it's Belt actually fit. a gun. Mm-hmm. That's a gun. And um, did that. Loved it. So now we're at JRTC at Fort Polk, which is the culminating event that your whole brigade gets evaluated on to see yeah. how you can perform overseas. So it's a month-long training exercise in the in the box at Fort Polk, running missions, hitting villages, doing all that. And that's where I got to really show what I knew, you know, how to emplace my gun teams. And the cool thing about being the RTO when I was at the lower ranks is I knew how to, you know, call for fire, right. set TRPs, do recon, doing all the stuff that my commander had told me to do. Sure. So support by fire, our gun teams, we're up, and we can see the whole objective because mm-hmm. we have to put lay down fire for our guys to maneuver onto the objective. Right. So I, I'd mark TRPs down just on my notebook on the side, on like target reference points for the people who don't understand. It's where, <laughs> you know... Like let's say you got a road coming into the village or whatever. You see, you want to set some TRPs there for the yep. mortars in case you know vehicles start coming in. That's right. So I was doing kind of like a hybrid RTO slash gun team leader job at the time, and uh, you know I loved it. We did a great job. We did really well, especially for a guard unit. You know, there's a stigma with the guard unit. 
that's one thing I do like about the Louisiana boys. They get we got some solid guys. We got some. You can't really, say just boys because you got girls in there too. Yeah, <laughs> men and women. Men and women. There you go. We got some solid soldiers. There it is. Yeah, I love it. So um, we performed really, really well at JRTC, and then we found out what our missions would be. We'd be going to Iraq um, and Kuwait. We'd be the QRF in Kuwait for all pretty much CENTCOM. That's quick reaction for us. Yes, right? quick reaction okay. for us. So we we trained, you know, uh, hot hot loads on uh, the UH sixty Blackhawks, all of that. Yeah. Go to Kuwait, and then that's where you know our deployment kicked off. Or go to Fort Bliss for a month, training that desert, which is like an extra JRTC prep. So when you leave. Like, when soldiers leave, they really don't leave the country, now at least, for another month. Right. So, right. you say yeah, bye like to your family. deployment Yeah. Uh, what was that called? Um, that gum. Uh, it's like you're, you're uh, mobilized, and then you're mm -hmm. activated, right? Mm -hmm. And then you've got like a... It, it, ours was like six-month pre-deployment. Mm -hmm. Get ready, right? Yeah. 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 So, something like that. I got you. That's what ours... It was... One month of the uh, JRTC in the box, and then actually being in the guard, we kind of got screwed because we came back from the box, and we had a few months before we left for the real deployment, and that's when Hurricane Laura smoked Lake Charles. Uh. And being in the guard, we have to activate and go help the community. So for two months before we deployed, when we were supposed to be hanging out with our families, we were in Lake Charles taking care of you know, we did riot control and looting right. protection. So we attached to LCPD, Lake Charles Police Department, and would patrol and protect the buildings that were all messed up. Right. So that kind of sucked for us, not being able to get to really hang out with our families before we deployed. Right. So before you carry on, so you're pre-deployment. Mm -hmm. you, you have been activated and deployed to hurricane relief. Mm -hmm. All right. So at this point, how long had you been in the Guard? Four years. All right, no, so yeah, four. So four years. Um, are you still the RTO? No, I'm a gun team sergeant now. All right. So at this point, you've got four years in, right? And and I mean, four years. Usually, you have four years who are still uh, specialists or mm -hmm. corporals, right? So mm -hmm. you're an E5 at this point with four years in. Yes, right? sir. So I mean, that's that's incredible. So and and you're, I'm sure you're at. A squad leader at this point? Team leader. All right, team leader. Mm -hmm. You've got people under you who've been in service longer than you All have. of them. All of them. See, that, that's it's wild. A, yeah, right? it's a weird experience because, you know, even like now, at the time, we're about to go overseas, and I, I'm expecting these guys to, you know, listen to what I have to mm -hmm. say, and I'm looking at them. Right. They're all older than me, have kids, yeah. you know? I'm like, man, this is this is strange. But, um, you know, I adjusted... I knew what I was. I had confidence in myself, right? And what I knew. There you go. And they, my guys, knew that, and I took care of them. Like, so they let, they were easily adapted. Oh yeah. To you come in in command as part of your mm -hmm. team leader, right? That's, you know, that can be related a lot to what we do here with performance, right? Absolutely. I mean, especially in construction, where you have a say a foreman, mm -hmm. right, and they take over a crew and they've got some 50 and 60 year olds who, you know, naturally been in construction for multiple years. Right. And then this young kid comes in, he's hot gunning and, you know, ready to get things knocked out. Well, 
these other gentlemen or, or whatever are asking, you know, why not me? Yeah. You know, why, why didn't I get that opportunity? And, and basically a lot of what you're talking about can be related into construction, you know, coming in, showing uh, great skill, great want to, the will to work, right. And, and, and leadership, right. And, and the military teaches us that, that, that gives, you know, they give that to oh, you. Yeah. You've just got to be a sponge and be willing to absorb it mm-hmm. and, and put it to use. So that's 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 great information. So continue on. I'm sorry again. That is one thing I do like about, you know, what I'm doing now in performance. So I'm interning, and during the fall and spring semesters when I'm in school, mm-hmm. I stay in the office. I learn, you know, what the guys in the office are doing, the hip, the branch heads, learn how they operate. Well, right. now I'm in the field. I'm a helper in the field. So you get the, you know, it's like lower level, higher level experience. You show your face. You show them you can work. Like, that's what I'm doing right now, busting my bus, or busting my butt in the laydown yard, you know, helping them with whatever. That's right. If you, you know, show them I can do your job, and I know how to do the higher-ups job, I think it's a better, it's a better one. They they see your face. They see you working with them. Yep. So it's not like, oh, it's some brand new, uh, you know, the one <laughs> thing in the military we don't like is like the, well, we don't really not like it, but. Guys that come out of ROTC straight into the platoon leader position. Dude, I, I can relate you 100%. <laughs> yeah. That, butter bar, that yeah. butter bar comes in. He's fresh. Got, you knowing know, just got, knowing just he knows got everything. Pinned. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, he's out there telling the E6s and E7s, and they just kind of stare at him. You know, yeah. they, you know they really want to just slap the taste oh, yeah. out of his mouth. But out of respect, you know, it's that real slow salute. Uh-huh. It's, Good morning, sir. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so hard to do. I've been there. I've done it. It's tough. But, yeah, that's why I do like the way performance does things, especially with their interns, is get them that field experience, get out with the guys. Mm-hmm. That way, you know, let's say I end up on that job site. Most of the guys there have seen me right. working with them and know, you know, we can work together, I can work with you, and we work well. That's a great point. I mean, coming from the field myself, uh, it was always a thing that – and and being in the military, right, we not that someone owes us anything, right? We mm-hmm. work for everything that we have. Mm-hmm. We don't feel as if you owe us anything. We're gonna work and we're gonna show our our, our work. Right? Absolutely. And when you see these guys and gals, they come out fresh out of college, right? And they're they're in their air conditioner in there and they're, you know, typing away on these computers and they're over payroll and everything mm-hmm. else. And you just you kind of walk in and you just and then you turn around and walk out disgusted, and you're like, yep. "Why can't that be me?" Yeah, right. Well, maybe, maybe you it can be you, you know. And it's all about where do you want to be in life, making the steps, right? Yep. I, I tell my kids this, uh, and I've utilized it, right? You find a goal in life, right? Get you a piece of paper, write out a goal, right? This is where you are. This is where you want to be. Write the steps make that it takes to get there. Yeah, right. Every day, try to strive to knock that first one out. Bam. Then you knock the next one out. You work all the way till you get to that goal. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you're going to get there, right? If you want to be in that office, you want to be part of our project's controls team, make that list. Yep. Start talking to your supervisor. Start talking to your management. You know, Make it a point to be successful in your life because you're not just helping yourself. You're helping your family. You're helping your community. Yeah. You're helping everybody, and that's a big part of what performance is. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, we've got built to serve – the podcast thing going, but what about we build better? That's what we're doing. We're building better families. We're Absolutely. building better teams, communities, 
We're building a better company. We're oh, yeah. building a better company. Absolutely. That's what we're doing. I agree. I agree. And I think one thing the military does help with is teaching you how to make that plan. Yep. And teaching you how to work towards what you want to accomplish. And I think a lot of people don't have that, um, you know, civilian side, don't have that the experience, I right. guess. Right. They know? don't have that knowledge and that, yeah. that chance to have all those skills given to them, right? Mm -hmm. I, and that's that's a huge part about what we're doing here, right? Absolutely. So a little bit, I'm going to tell you a little bit of why we're doing this, right? And and I know we've kind of sidetracked the whole story, but I, I, want to, I want to make it a point and I want you to understand. So all of the men and women that are out there actually watching this podcast, they may want to know why. Why is it that we're doing this? So Cade, you know, still in, in school and intern, but in the field, mm -hmm. right? The men and the women that are out there in the field with you, they see your face. They know you're a hardworking go-getter, but they don't know anything about you, right? This gives people in, in the world an opportunity to know who Cade Rich is, mm -hmm. right? They, they don't know that you're in the Army. They don't know that you've made a deployment. They don't know about the stuff that you've been through. Say you're out there and you're moving stuff around in the laydown yard. The guy working next to you, he just kind of looks at you as this young kid. Yeah, that's what the, that you yep. know. That's what it is. People that are going to listen into this may run into you at Walmart. You know, they walk up to you and they already know you and they say, "Thank you for your service, Kate. I really appreciate everything you've done." Right? Or you may walk up to somebody and help this little old lady get you mm -hmm. know the the water yeah. off the or whatever it may be off the uh, the rack. And then she recognized you from this podcast. It's all about recognizing our military folks that we have within this company. And then the company giving us the opportunity to do this. I mean, it's it's outstanding. Oh, right? yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, I can't say enough about our owner, uh, Mr. Art Five, and then, you know, our president and CEO, Mr. Kevin Corville, you know, allowing us the opportunity to do this. And, of course, our, our VP of EHS, Tori Garrison, mm -hmm. and then our director of uh, HR, Joel Timms. It, it, I, I, the list goes on and on and on, Absolutely. right? And then the man behind the camera over uh, here, Mr. John Emerson, you know, doing all the hard work for us. It, it, it's it's a great team, a great opportunity, and it, and it's all to, you know, um, educate you all, right? Uh, to Mr. Cade, or Staff Sergeant Cade, I'm sorry. But um, which that brings me to the next point. I wanted to uh, talk about some things. So every time we're going to do this from here on out, we're going to make it a point for – all of our, our military veterans to come in and bring something mm -hmm. that has some kind of meaning in, in your service or your career mm -hmm. uh, that holds sentimental value, right? And then a story to go along with it. I see you actually brought a few things. So uh, if you don't mind, go ahead and start telling us a little bit about it. All right. First thing we got right here is some very fancy <laughs> red ruby, uh, I think it's, uh, it's whiskey, product of Syria, red ruby whiskey, right? Okay. So look. On our base overseas. Ruby? Yeah. R-O-U-B-Y? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Ruby, isn't it? Is that how you I have, I have no idea. He, I don't know. Mike Moo didn't speak a lot of English. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, no, I get it. I get it. It's, so, it's pretty bottle. Oh, yeah. Well, we weren't supposed to. I had to, I had to you know, customs on the way back. Oh, yeah. They check our stuff. So right. I had this buried. Hopefully there's no TSA or anything yeah. on here. We're not sneaking anything by yeah, you. Yeah, this is, uh, this is from America. But so, Okay. No, it's, it's not. It's, <laughs> I know. It's, it's, well, I, look, I was going to play along. <laughs> so uh, overseas, we had a very, very small fob. Our, it, was a, it was a cop, really. 
it used to be the uh it was called ATG Autonf Garrison and it held the M2 highway which is the only highway that was running through South Syria. Okay. So a lot of traffic through there and we were on it. So we held it. And everybody knew we held it. Where we were was an old Syrian agricultural college that I can't remember who it was. I think it was ISIS took it over and then the Marines came and just took it from them. And then we started occupying it. Well, the base is still, you know, our, our barracks where we slept, bullet holes from the 30 millimeter, the A-10s, you know, collapsed buildings. Right. So one thing they teach us in the military is always improve your fighting position, right? Mm -hmm. So when we got there, we only, we came with, so you remember how I told you we were evaluated at JRTC? That's right, yeah. And we were originally planning for the QRF mission in Kuwait. Right. Another mission came up, the Syrian, the SFAB mission that we went on, Special Forces Assistance Brigade. Okay, okay. And our commander had to pick a platoon of guys to go over there. And, of course, you know, we were like, we want to get out of Kuwait. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. So he picked our best guys to go to Syria and do this mission. So it was just a platoon out of our whole brigade. It was just a platoon of light infantry boys. With we had Alpha Company, another platoon of Alpha Company, mm-hmm. um, come with us. So there was only on the base in total. I think we had like maybe 180 people on this entire base. You know, with mechanics, with EOD, with the group that was there with us. Um, we had like two cooks, <laughs> and then the you know our our battalion or our headquarters, the talk. Okay. Had DOD advisors, all that there. Um, but when we showed up. So one, I don't know what I was thinking. We get on the C-10s, and it was nighttime. And a lot of people don't know this. In the desert at night, it gets cold. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. cold. Yeah. So we're on the C-10s, and it's nighttime when we land. And the ramp comes down on the C-10, and we dismount. Pitch black. And I thought we were going to step out on a runway. I don't know why I thought this. <laughs> I step out, and we're in the middle of a dry lake bed. And I'm like, oh, oh wow. we are about to get smoked. Like, right here on the spot. So we we actually, uh, 82nd Airborne was there. Mm-hmm. We replaced them. And um, 82nd had an outer court on security set up, and we had our, you know, our little nods on. And I'm seeing all of these Matt V's, 360 security. I'm like, something's about to happen, you know, off the rip. Like, it's pitch black. We had no idea. Freezing cold. Offloading stuff. Just off the C-10. But uh, Waiting for something bad to happen. Yeah. Just a <laughs> weird experience. I'm like, we're about to get smoked right off the bat. Get in, get our trucks, head to the base. And it's still nighttime, and, you know, we got the cheap, the mono PVS-14. Right, yeah. Um, MVGs, MVGs, night vision yeah. goggles. So we couldn't really see the base until the next morning. You know, I'm looking through the little windows, can't see much. And we next morning we wake up, walk out, and I'm like, what the, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm talking collapsed buildings, just stuff everywhere. So... The whole time while we were running missions, doing the SVAB stuff, the force multiplier mm-hmm. missions that we were doing, we had engineers on base cleaning up everything. Like, wow. we we rebuilt that base. Like, wow. from where we started to where it ended, completely different. Like, we took care of it, you know, did everything we could to make it better. Assuming that we destroyed it yeah. in, in the beginning. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's what we do, right? We go in there and we make a mess. But, hey, we all about cleaning mm-hmm. it up. You know, Absolutely. we'll spend... Millions upon billions of of dollars, right? Re- rebuild, you know, third world countries, oh, mud yeah. shacks. So yeah, go ahead. 
my point is, we had we had a Syrian contractor um, with his little team of guys that would come on the base every day to help us with the construction. Mm-hmm. And we did two-week rotations, us and the other platoon of light infantry boys. One platoon would go out on missions for two weeks. The other platoon would do base defense. Okay. So that we had towers all around our base. So it was always a constant cycle. You're always doing something. Gotcha. When we're on base defense, we had to pull a security on Mahmoud and his boys because, you know, they're on our base. You know, they're they're Syrian rebel, you know, cit- citizens. They weren't soldiers. Like, they were just, they came to the free side of Syria. So Syria's in a civil war, right? During this time? Uh, I think they still are. Still? Yeah. I don't keep I'm not too sure. At the <laughs> time, they 100% won. Okay. And the PRF, the pro-regime forces, that was the Syrian government, uh, Russia backed them, and we backed the MAT fighters, the Syrian freedom fighters, mm. which is that flag right there. Okay. So this is the Syrian flag. This is the Syrian freedom fighters. So, okay. Like MAT, so this is not... This is the, not this the country. country. The country of Syria has two stars. Okay, so we actually do back these, these yes. this group up yes. specifically. Okay. So we awesome. Our main mission over there, we we had we split the base with Fifth Group Green Berets, and they you know Green Berets they only operate at night. So we would go out, and we had what's called a deconfliction zone, and our base was in the middle of it, and they had all these little, little tiny, uh, smaller cops than ours, where all the of age men of this the Syrian Free Army or the Republic. It was the Mat Mat soldiers we called them. And it okay. it's Magwahir Al Thara. Okay. If I'm saying that, I'm probably screwing that all up. We <laughs> it's hard them, to pronounce yeah, that. Yeah. We called them the Mat guys. Yeah. It's hard to pronounce that stuff. So we would every day we would patrol and go to these different cops and train them on how we fight. So uh-huh. you know, basic rifleman skills, uh base defense, how to shoot mortars. All of that. So we got to really intermingle and teach these guys how to defend their bases on their own. Yeah. Yeah. We did, so we did something similar. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to talk about myself, but I'm very familiar with what you're talking about. I mean, we, we did a lot of the same stuff, even in Iraq, you know, from mm-hmm. the time we, we, and I say we as in our army, right? And 2003, when we made our first push, I mean, we took what was willing to come over to yep. us and, and taught them the, United States military way. We had uh, what was Iraqi special forces, yep, what we yep. called them, right? And, I mean, that's basically the same exact thing you're talking about mm-hmm. doing with the Syrian group. Okay. Yes, sir. So we did that, you know, get to mingle with all the guys. Mm-hmm. Well, Mahmoud and his boys weren't, they weren't fighters. Okay. He had his little uh, construction like company, I guess you could call it. They, <laughs> and this they'd is roll the Syrian contract. Yeah, they'd roll in on one flatbed. With like eighteen oh, dudes yeah. in the back yep. of it, just yep. piled up. Mahmoud hauling butt through the desert. We're like, here he comes. Mahmoud, <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Well, I don't know why. Me and my gunner, um, one of my really good friends, Daigle, mm-hmm. we would always be on security with Mahmoud together, mm-hmm. and he loved us. He loved us, and it'd be like 115 degrees outside, and you know they drink tea, yeah, hot chai. tea, chai. Yeah, I'm chai. like Mahmoud, I no tea. It's hot. And he was like, no, you're going to drink the tea. So me and him would sit there, and I'd, we, I had Google Translate because we didn't have the, tran- the interpreters right. with us. And we'd be telling him all kinds of, you know, just telling <laughs> I know, stories. I know what you mean. And he loved it. He loved it. So one day, 
you know, we didn't have access to any alcohol right. over there, especially being in the middle of nowhere. Yep. One day he comes back, and he, he like, tasked me. He's like, here, and he pulled this out. And I was like, no way. I was like, my mood, thank you. He was like, I, I was like, I tried to pay him. He was like, no, you don't. Yeah. Don't pay me. This is a gift. I was yep. like, okay. And wow. me and, I'm not going to say when I drank it, but <laughs> I drank it. Look, yeah, I, yeah. We've all got stories, right? Oh yeah. I, I, I've in in the future, <laughs> I'll I'll tell my story, and and there's a lot a lot of different things happen, uh, especially around the SF group. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll you'll end up with crazy stuff like tattoos and and stuff <laughs> like that. So <laughs> I mean, look, no, I, I get it. And so while you're there, did they have near beer? We had O'Doul's. Yeah, yeah, yeah near beer. That's what we call near <laughs> yeah. beer. Look, you know, a lot of people will tell you, and and I'm not going to stay on this too long, but a lot of people will tell you, you know, especially at a young age, if you don't, if you don't acquire the taste of beer mm-hmm. or even good quality beer, um, you'll say, well that, well, that tastes like piss or that mm-hmm. tastes like horse piss or what, you know, some redneck guy yeah. from yeah. Mississippi and Alabama. <laughs> that's, a, that's how we say it. So that literally... I mean, in fact, taste is – I don't oh, know yeah. what horse piss tastes like, but O'Doul's, I don't oh, know yeah. how they stay in business. I'm telling you that. The U.S. government. But Well, yeah. yeah you're yeah. exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Our military is all about supporting them because – so they say that it it is non-alcoholic. It's got like point point yeah. yeah. I mean, it's literally point zero one or 2 or something mm-hmm. like that. And I, I think we came up – one of the guys that we were with wound up doing the math. It would take like a hundred and yeah. some odd <laughs> O'Doul's to get a buzz. Yeah. I mean, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. Ours were always hot too. We didn't have anywhere to cool them off. Oh. So man. they were just hot. So no one no one messed with it. So when Mahmoud brought this, of course I didn't keep it. I shared it with all the guys. So and how long about, had you had been over there when you got that? That was pretty I'd say about three or four months into it. Oh, so you, your body had Oh yeah. Oh you oh Two sips and I was good, much. yeah. And that's what I did. So, I, you know, I brought it to my guys. Mm-hmm. I was like, look what, look what Mahmoud brought. And talk about just a morale boost, you know. And I always love Mahmoud. There's I'll sh- there's a picture of him on there, on the uh, pictures I gave y'all. I'll show okay. y'all. And, you know, the Syrian people, mm-hmm. smaller smaller humans, right? You know, smaller built, right? skinnier. Smaller frames than what, yeah. what Americans majority. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Mahmoud's 6'3". 2 30 humongous and he had i'm not going to get into much because i don't want to get him in trouble but right. he, he was huge he was huge and we were like who is this humongous guy the first time we saw him <laughs> so but yeah that's where i got this i kept it because that's awesome i'm never going to forget when he gave it to us and how happy me and my buddies were that, that is a great talking point oh yeah and then the flag one of the base commanders gave me this flag Cause we uh you know we went to each base and right. we had a commander there, and I, we were doing a uh, react to contact drills on the base, mm-hmm. and I was they had they had the little helix trucks with dishes on the back of them welded you know oh. just lighting it up rocking the whole truck right, so he gave me one he gave me this flag I wore it on my kit with me, um I have it hanging in my room above my bed really oh yeah, I love it I love it um just some Guys that wanted to be free and not, you know, get screwed over by their government. And it was it was a 
wild experience, you know. And then on top of that, there was Daesh forces, so a version of ISIS. Yeah. Operating, you know, within on that highway, both sides of the civil war wanted them going because they're extremists. Right. So yeah. we, we did patrols, force multiplier. Um, it was a good time. It was the so best and worst time of my life. With you guys training the Syrian rebels, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then ISIS there, uh, assuming the more majority of those were Syrians, mm. right? Was there a lot of conflict? No, not as much as you would think. We had a lot more um, drones, like drones trying to strike us, airstrikes, stuff like that. Right. We only had a few skirmishes with actual fighters, Daesh fighters. Okay. So that we actually, the first time we got lit up, we were in a sandstorm. Oh dear. And we were coming out of the sandstorm. So we were going in that deconfliction zone. There's a radio tower, an unmarked radio tower. Mm-hmm. And we were briefed every day, rules of engagement, you know, pre mission. Yep. And with the Daesh fight, all black. And they flew a black flag with a white circle in the middle with black lettering. Mm-hmm. You see those, you know, it's game time. Yeah. So we were, uh, and I was a gun gun team commander, so we rode in Mat V's, which are the big, up armored. Um, I don't know how to describe them. That's a six wheel vehicle, no, right? No, that's the M wrap. Okay. A Mat V is like a smaller version of the M wrap. It's full wheel. I just I don't I don't know how to I describe maybe, it. Maybe there's gonna be a picture of it. Maybe up. we used to call them buffaloes years ago. Yeah, they're smaller than the buffaloes. Okay. They're okay. like in between the Humvee and the buffalo. Okay. And you can fit four people on the inside and a gunner on top. Okay. You so, wanna, do you want to run into these pictures and, and yeah, yeah, you can kind of you know start talking yeah, on that and maybe that, yeah, I, I have we're sitting here trying to describe it, <laughs> right? So uh, here, here we go. That is the Matt V right there. Okay. All right. So this so, this picture right here, these there's a few of them. This is after our first firefight, and you see the broken. They shot my spotlight off of my truck. <laughs> and there was a spotlight right, right below there, the like, turret. Okay, yeah, I see it. Yeah. Was. Wow, y'all had windows in your turret. Oh, yeah. Ours was black iron steel, hillbilly armor really? style. I mean, it was just rusted up. No windows. Yeah, that's that's cool stuff right there. All right, so they shot off your spotlight. Oh, yeah, they, they lit my... So I was the last... Or I was the second to last truck in the convoy, you know, controlling the sectors of fires for the guns. Right. And we were in this sandstorm, and you see my headset... Yeah. That I'm wearing my comms. Right. I had wired Apple headphones run into my phone underneath <laughs> them. So I'm listening to music riding through the sandstorm on underneath my comms. Well, we have a redneck. His name is Nugent. He's from Pineville, Louisiana. <laughs> His first name ain't Ted, is it? No, no. I think he's, he's close, I think. Um, He was my first gunner in the first gun truck. And, um... We're rolling through the sandstorm, and it's a five-truck convoy headed to this radio tower. Mm -hmm. And I'm still in the sandstorm, and I can't see that far in front of me because, you know, you can't see nothing. Right. Everything's orange. Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly what I'd say, yeah. It's like riding riding through Mars. That's what it felt like. Every time we would patrol, it's like we're on Mars right now. It's just a different world over there. Yep. And um, I'm listening to my rap music, and I'm like, I think in my head, I'm like, I think I just heard shots. Well, as I'm thinking that, Nugent comes on the radio and he's like, "Hey, we're getting lit up!" <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, oh, here there's we go. always this one guy. Yeah. I know, right? Here we go." And so one thing, especially being a uh, 
heavy weapons gun team leader. I talked to my dad about this before I left. I was like, what, what's going to happen first time you get shot at? He said, either two things are going to happen. You're going to go into shock or you're going to go back to muscle memory. That's right. I was like, okay, so how do I make sure my guys do that? He said, train them, train them, stay in their ass. That's right. So when we were at Bliss that whole month before we deployed, like for real, we would run missions every day, but we'd come back to the barracks and, you know, relax, do whatever. Guys would play Xbox, PlayStation, like in the barracks. I had my guys doing gun drills, you know, placing the 240, clearing malfunctions, all of that, barrel changes. And at the time, they were all mad at me. They were like, you know, oh, yeah. sorry, Rich, why can't we just chill? You know, but I was like, one day you're going to thank me. That's all I would say. One day you're going to thank me. So this firefight starts, or we're rolling through the sandstorm. Nugent gets hit. Well, we're coming out of the sandstorm. And I turn and look, and there's two gun trucks, dudes wearing all black, uh. trying to flank us in helixes, shooting uh-huh. at us. He was like, what do I do? What do I do? And we're like, light them up. And one of the craziest feelings, I watched every single one of my guns turn and start firing. And I don't know, just something in me, I was like, solid. Yeah. Well, bad thing is, we're rolling with the 50 cows right now. Oh, yeah. And we're in the sandstorm, and we oil our guns up before we go out on mission. Right. Well, that's an open open bolt or open face weapon system. Yeah. So there's sand all oh, in our in 50 that cows. Mechanism. Yeah. So the guns start going down. So I'm like, I, I turn, I'm I'm shooting now. Well, my wow. gun jams, and we were hitting the trucks, and then we, our uh, PL, our company commander was on patrol with us at the time. He told us to break con- contact, so we start breaking off to the right. So me and my boy Daigle, the one I was telling you about, we're the last two trucks in that convoy. Right. So guess who they're shooting at? Oh, yeah. So I'm trying to unjam my 50 cal. And we had CLP. I had a gallon of CLP in my in my turret hatch with me. Oh, I just, just took a to it. Yeah, just poured it. So I've been there. <laughs> we broke contact. Daigle's gun went down. He pulled out his M4 from. He got one of the guys to hand him his M4. So yep. he st- he switched it on full auto and starts just sending rounds. Well, when we broke contact, I couldn't engage the trucks behind us anymore because Daigle was right behind us. So I told my driver, who's one of my best friends, Collins. He's in the pictures too. To hook, hook the truck so I could get shots off. Well, I still couldn't see the trucks, so I swung my 50 cal to the base, like oh, the, wow. where they were operating at, right. and I started single shotting 50 rounds into the base. And you know, the 50 cal is so big, you could see it hitting, you know, blowing holes right. in the. Yeah. And my dad, I told my dad about it. He was like, "You probably smoked someone, you know, <laughs> cooking eggs, <laughs> making breakfast." Yeah. They don't have a clue what's going yeah. on outside. Just a sandstorm. So, yeah, that was uh, my first experience, and it was wild. It was wild. They got close. So, right here, the window, my, my buddy was looking through his window as okay. as it was going on, and as he was looking through the window, they hit the window. And, yeah, he, he scared, it scared him. That's some horror movie stuff. Oh, yeah. Horror movie stuff right there. And they shot the back of my truck. That was after we, had, we were breaking contact. Okay. You know, getting lit up from the rear. Right. And then that one, that's that's the closest one that got to me. Like, that's where, you know, I'm right Ooh. there in the hatch. Yeah. Because right there at that angle, that could have yeah. easily bounced Especially up. if you would have been pointing a 45-degree angle further away, the ricochet right off of that angle, that could have potentially. Oh, I mean, yeah. Which anything could possibly oh, happen, yeah. right? But oh, yeah. you've got the mindset on the mission. 
after it's all over with, then you realize, dang, yeah, that was really close. Of course, you don't you, you say a lot of different oh, English. Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> it ain't dang, right? But so right Look here, this guy. that's 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 me to the left. You see all the you see how our pants are, right? That's COP. Yeah, all the oil. Yeah. yeah. When I yeah. tell you, so I dumped the gallon of COP on the fifty. Well, it leaked down onto my gunner's platform. So I'm like ice skating, trying to turn my fifty cal. Like I don't have any grip on in the in the hatch because I'm right. It's full of grease now. By the time it was over, I was comp- my cord. I had done spun so many times around in the hatch. My comms my comms wire was wrapped around me. I was I had to brace myself on the seats like it was it was bad but <laughs> this was right after our first gunfight that's my driver Collins right there okay all right but yeah we were uh we were pretty hyped everybody when we got to the base they were like oh you know you know they were hyped <laughs> You're and right. then my guys came and tackled me they're like thank you so right here that's where we landed we would do uh supply drops every once in a while C Tim would come in and we would do uh security for him and that's me. On the salt flats, that's where we first showed up, except at nighttime. So, it is a cool picture. I like that wow. picture. I love how you guys are flying the flag, man. That says oh, yeah. A, that says a lot, which I wanted to mention this. I'm, I'm glad you actually got have that up there and just kind of pause the photos and everything. It, so, this this flag that we actually have hanging right here, I, everybody who comes in, I want to kind of tell the little story about it. So, this this flag was actually hanging on the United States Capitol. No joke. Right, right. In 1979. No joke. Yeah, right. It, which is actually the same year that Mr. Art started this company. Really? Yeah, 1979. Awesome. It's 2023 now, so you do the math, right? Mm-hmm. It, that's an old flag, and it's in great condition. How'd you get and, a hold of that? Ah, man, the, you know, the black web. The, oh, yeah. The black, right, the dark <laughs> yeah. web and everything else. But look, I mean, so you guys may or may not be able to see it, but um, there's actually a, a certificate of authenticity uh-huh. yeah. up here, and, and it certifies that this is actually the flag. It all came packaged no together. Joke. Right, man. It's, it's it's a huge deal, and we take pride in our American flag and, and the colors, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I can't quote it, but all of our colors mean something, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And our boss uh, over EHS, um, t- t- Mr. – well, he's actually a chaplain, so I'm going to say chaplain mm-hmm. – uh, Tory Garrison, uh, Chaplain Major Garrison, uh, he and I have extensive conversations about military stuff all the time. And I mean, it just it means so much to us as veterans. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the colors. When you're driving down the interstate or the highway or whatever, and you see this, I mean, the bigger the better, right? Mm-hmm. This thing's standing 100, <laughs> yeah. 150, 200 foot tall, and this huge American flag's Flying in the you know wind. I mean, there is n- there's no better feeling nope. in my heart, right, to see that thing and, and know what that flag has withstood yeah, and what it and stands what, for and, and what it stands for. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's not enough. And when you when when you honor this flag, when you stand for this flag, mm-hmm. it says a lot about you as an individual, mm-hmm. right? Not necessarily a veteran. You as a person, yeah. a human, an American. Yeah, and that's what that's what we as a company look at. And it it's even wild or crazier when overseas we flew our flags and we had the ruck bond, which is our where the refugees where the the younger men were and the right. women and kids, and we'd go yeah. and take care of them every time they saw that flag. 
they would light up. Yeah. Know? Like, they were like, the Americans here to help us. So I just wanted to touch on the, the flag a little bit and tell you what it's about. Uh, so before we go on to uh, the next pictures or whatever, we'll take a, a short little break, and, and then we'll come right back and okay. pick it up. Absolutely. All right. Appreciate it, Kate. No problem. Welcome back. Um, last we were talking about uh, all the, the pictures that Kate, or excuse me, Staff Sergeant Rich <laughs> uh, brought us, and, and that we'll just pick up right where we left off the next photo. Go ahead and explain. So this is a funny story because I was a gun team leader. So I, I was always, when we'd pull up to these bases, if I wasn't out helping train with basic rifle marksmanship or anything like that, we'd pull security. Right. You know, while everything was going on. Okay. Well, our partner for us, the Mac guys, were nice enough to cook for us one day. Oh, yeah. And my truck commander, our the weasel, the weapon squad leader, was like, hey, come get some food. Well, I wasn't used to the common customs and courtesies that they have over there so i come down you know all dirty and beat up from my hatch i'm still wearing my gunner's harness and i just start <laughs> shoveling food in my mouth and all of them those guys sitting behind those are our partner forces they were like what in the world because i destroyed their food <laughs> with my hands and my my truck commander was like yeah uh you're gonna be stuck in the truck from now on <laughs> you can't do that <laughs> right Right. Well, I bet that thing was good. Oh, yeah. I tore it up. And yeah, I, I bet it tore your belly up, too. Oh, yeah. Though. I had double stacked. I had double stacked the tortillas that they had yeah. or the pita bread and right. then just piling stuff and just shoving in my face. And they were like, golly, like the dude's an animal. Yeah, we, we learned the hard way, too. So a lot of times we would have like local nationals that would, and I, not just me. I mean, this is everybody that goes overseas especially in Iraq, I can speak to this. You know, if you're in a large fob, uh, not so much probably, but the smaller fobs like we were in, the local nationals literally live, you know, yeah, yeah. 100 yards away from yeah. the wire. And they're all the time coming up to the gate. And the only two things that they understand in English is, during the time that I was there, is Red Bull and cheeseburger. That's yep. it. That's all they spoke. <laughs> you know, so... What they would do was they'd literally trade you kebabs and all this good mm -hmm. stuff for just a Red Bull mm -hmm. or a cheeseburger. Yeah. You know, and look, man, we Bartering. had unlimited refrigerators full of Red Bull. Yeah. Right? And this is back when Red Bull was just coming out. Uh-huh. We had and rippets. We had them, too. <laughs> That's that, Yeah. Oh, gosh, man. I, I haven't thought about that in so long. Them things were great. Oh, yeah. We would tear them up. Yeah. We, they were great, but I'm I'm sorry. Back back to what you were saying. These these things would tear us apart. Oh yeah, because we were so used to the cheeseburgers mm -hmm. and everything else. And I'm not saying that their food was nasty. It was great. Your bodies just weren't adjusted to exactly. it. Exactly, yep. and their spices and everything uh -huh. else. You know, we all thought we were poisoned. Oh yeah, <laughs> we thought it was <laughs> yeah. over. I mean, we would run in for the Porta Johns. Uh -huh. <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> as you were saying, yeah, definitely some good food. Yeah, they were scared. They were scared of me. But that's, that's yeah, you look like them. a bear yeah. right before hibernation, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <clears throat> that's it for that one. And then, so this one. Oh, my goodness. Again, scared of me because they had never seen something like this. So my little cousin was born while we were overseas. Okay. And it, was, it, was, it was, I think, her birthday. It may have been his. I had a few. I think it was for my little cousin, Eli. Well, he had sent me a letter, and my aunt was like, if you could please send a picture. He, he, you know, he looks up to you, asks about you all the time. So she sent me this mask and that hat for Eli's birthday. I was like, what would be a 
perfect time to do it. And then I hop out on these Matt guys right. wearing this. Oh <laughs> and they were goodness. like, what? And like, they looked so confused. <laughs> so I got, I got my driver to take that picture and send it to my little cousin. And he loved it. But I just thought it was hilarious. Hey, that's a staff sergeant with a great sense of humor right there, <laughs> yeah. right? I, I love my nephew. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then that's just, that's us on the range. So a uh, fifth group would come and help us, you know, teach us, you know, techniques that they use. That's me about to yell at somebody on the range. Mm. Just a, you know, E5, doing E5 things. <laughs> <laughs> Young NCO yeah. going out there. That's right. That's, that's my mood right there. That's a big old mock mood, and that's my buddy Daigle. We're, look, we're drinking the hot, hot tea when it's uh, 115 degrees outside. Good man, wow. good man. I think we all had one of those. Oh, you know, yeah. there was always one local national. I, I had one too. And that was us. Look at that! Come on, go Tigers! Yeah, that was us right there. Those are the Matt V's I was talking about. Oh, that's that's our platoon, and that's our little base right there behind us. I love the. I don't know if you guys were doing a burnout on some purple. Uh, our, that's our smokes. We had smokes we threw. Really? Yellow and purple smokes, yep. That's outstanding. I love that. Those are the boys. And then so these are the kids in the refugee camp, the ruck bond, we called it. So we would do patrols over there, bring them water. Uh, our well, where we would refill our water was over there too. Okay. We'd go do checks. We'd bring the medics. We had female medics to, you know, go help the women and the kids. I got you. Well, funny story, you see how all the kids are wearing, you know, bogus outfits, and these two little dudes right here wearing the fresh track suits. Right. We're like, his dad's probably up to something, uh, you know? So we ended up looking into it, and I think, I don't know what happened, but he was, uh, he wasn't doing the right thing. He wasn't doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. right. You wrong. Because we, we showed wrong. up, and these two little dudes, you know, wearing fresh outfits, you know? But those were, Yeah. yeah. I was telling them to look at the camera. So one thing they do, they don't know how to open water bottles. So they just stab the water bottles with rocks and then spray it in their faces. Oh, my goodness. I was like, look at the camera, man. We're trying to take a picture. But he, <laughs> he had no idea what we were talking about. I got you. Cool. That's actually, so remember how I told you my dad um, was prior, like he, prior? he, you know, prior service did 20 years. Colonel there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was our ground force commander, and he was one of my dad's buddies overseas. Oh, wow. So, you know, just small world, getting to serve with him, all the things he told me about my father, and, you wow. know, him getting to see me and my dad, you know, it's, it's just cool. The next generation, uh -huh. right? Yeah, coming up, young NCO. That was right, wow. right when we were leaving, actually. Wow. That's awesome. You don't look like yourself without the stash. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> And then this is my driver, of course, my best friend, you know. It looks like y'all a little more best friends. <laughs> yeah, helped me out in a bunch of situations, but I just picked this one, you know, the camaraderie that you you get over there, you know. It's something, yep. you, you, it's something when you come home you miss, Yep. you know, but you keep in touch with your guys. Absolutely. No, I, I completely get it, and I understand. I understand. I made him hold my hands like how happy he is. <laughs> <laughs> he looks it. He's like, you stupid. <laughs> you so stupid. <laughs> I edited all this myself. Just shooting HIMAR missiles to Iraq. The sail playing. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah.
That was us getting it right there. Hauling butt through the villages. Those are that's our PJs right there. I don't know if you can tell they're smoking smoking some gun trucks. You see the rounds bouncing out? They're in helicopters. That's, about, that's the boys. That's me test firing the, the 240 before we go out on mission. We had two jets that would always do route reconnaissance for us. They're on mission with us every time. Sandstorm. Oh, yeah. We do a lot of uh, pickups with the fifth group guys, and they let us drive in the land cruiser. That's the PJs again. That's some bad news. Oh yeah. I thought we were gonna get smoked the first time I saw that. I didn't know it was a blown up tank. Oh. I tell you, those boys were flying low. Oh, yeah. That's the, the where we do all our pickups. That was right after our first firefight. And then we had the Bedouins who didn't, they weren't with anybody. They'd just be herding sheep yeah. through our patrols. <laughs> <laughs> I think they do that on purpose. Yeah. It's the PJs again. You see him marking it with the IR? Yep. And the awesome man oh yeah it's a good time can't say enough enough about it i think that's great stuff for sure um if that if that really i mean if that doesn't pump you up i don't oh, know yeah. what does right maybe it's just because we're here and we're watching it i i don't know just i guess the 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 video itself you know seeing you with your team mm. the you know sail playing uh. I, I just i don't know yeah while we were talking earlier off cam, you know, we were uh, actually talking about CCR's, uh, what's the name of the song? Uh, Fortune and Son. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, everybody who listens to that or watches a Vietnam movie, yep. era movie, right, you think of that that playing in the background. That, that, that doesn't pump you up, then you're not American. 100%. Right? 100%. You know, so, uh, all right. Um, brings us to our, our next part of the, the podcast. Um if you could go back throughout your life, right, uh, your childhood all the way up through your adulthood and military career, if you could point out and pick one person who just stood out as a mentor, who would that be and why? I'd say my family and specifically my father. Okay. He taught me, you know, how to be a man. He taught me how to perform, the discipline, everything. Right. I'd say him for sure. He That's set awesome. a good example. Awesome. And he still is today. 
Really? You know, still on my butt. I'm 24 and he's not letting off. Absolutely not. And, you know, Absolutely. growing up, when I was younger, I was like, man, you know, he's staying in me. But now I realize, you know, he did it all to help me. That's it. To be a man on my own. That's right. You know, yeah. and it takes a lot of our youth getting away, or not necessarily getting away, but, you know, growing outside of our, our the family, you know, lifting our wing, letting them grow, yeah. uh, and getting their, finding their own way, right? Absolutely. And then they realize the value of all the years worth of, you know, just hard love, especially mm-hmm. especially with, with boys and young men, mm-hmm. right? Now, girls and young ladies, it's a different story, right? And yeah. Of course, we have some we want to join the military, right? And then we have some that we don't want to join the military. <laughs> you're you're way too kind-hearted, baby. That's what I tell my daughter all the time. But my son, you know, he, he just disciplined and and yep. trying to drive it home, right? And that's the same thing that your dad probably did with you, you know, 100%. teaching teaching you all the things that you needed to know and do to succeed in life. Absolutely. Right? So I, I completely understand and I completely respect that and I respect your father for that as well. Absolutely. What was uh what was his rank when he came out? Uh major. Retired as a major. Oh, so he was commissioned. Yes, sir. Oh, he did. Wow. He went up to E six and then went over to the officer side. Have you ever had to salute your dad? No, he was out before I got in. So you never did it? Uh, I think I did a basic basic training when I graduated. Ah, uh, that, woo boy! Oh yeah, mm. that, that would mean something. That Absolutely. definitely means something. I, I, uh, I want to mention something else. Have you ever been coined before? Absolutely, got it. Okay, yes, in the military, of course. Mm. You, with you only having six years in service, being an E six, you better be coined mm. by somebody. Yes, so, sir. little side story. Um, our my boss. Uh, of EHNS and and the military workforce uh, development um, department, Tory Garrison, right? Mm-hmm. So I was saying he's a chaplain, mm-hmm. right? And he's in the Air Force Reserve. So uh, he's also, um, a, a, I guess, like a pastor at a church. Mm-hmm. And uh, being a major, you you don't you don't necessarily have a coin made. You know, it's like colonels yeah. and generals and yeah. everything else. But as a chaplain. He and I were talking about it, and I was just like, you know, you're a chaplain. Very People, unique. Right, exactly. Unique I think it's job. a great opportunity. And mm-hmm. you you speaking of your dad and everything and how much it means to you, uh, Tori and I were actually talking. Well, I helped him kind of say, yeah, that looks great, when he was designing his coin. And he had this thing made, right? Well, for Father's Day, he goes – and he he preaches the sermon. Their 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 everyday pastor was out, mm. and uh, so he sent me the link, and uh, I watched the video. And so his dad suffers uh, with um, it's dementia, mm. right? And certain times, you know, he he knows who everybody is, and sometimes yeah. he doesn't, right? Well, <clears throat> so his sister flew down, and when his sister flew down, they had it planned during you know his church. Service that his sister was gonna. His that was wild. Ghost in here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right now. So (laughs) Tori's coming back for me. I guess I don't know. Uh So his his dad and his sister come walking in. They sit down. Tori sees them, and uh, his mom there the entire time. You know, and I think he was telling me that she was all to pieces. It was just an emotional service for Tori, especially. Yeah. And. So Tori puts his coin up on the screen, 
right? And he's explaining to the congregation about this coin. And uh, he's like, I haven't given it to anybody yet. You know, my dad, military, army, he, he tells a story. And, and again, he's doing all that he can to hold it together, yeah, right? And he, yeah. he's told me and everybody else about his dad and how much he loves and respects his father and, mm-hmm. and for giving him that tough love that he needed, right, and, and developing him into the man that he is. Well, at, at one point he says, I want to bring up the man who pretty much gave me everything that I have, everything helped me become 100%. everything that I am. But, oh, man, it was just building up for this moment, right? Yeah. And then he introduces his dad, right? <clears throat> so they walk him up to the stage. Tori salutes his dad, right? Now, remember, he's got dementia. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anybody's ever seen um, – there's just – there's a certain salute mm-hmm. that just has so much heart and feeling. And it's, if you've ever, or if you've known of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, mm-hmm. right, when they're doing Changing the Guard and everything, there's, that salute is is in there. And it's, it's just, it's a real slow, sharp salute, right? Yep. Dude, his dad, Mark, Mr. Mark, gives this salute, and it's as crisp as it could be. And it's so, oh, man. It was just one of the most emotional things I've ever seen, yeah, right? Yeah, and, I'm sure it was. And during a church, and he coins his dad, the first coin that he ever gave. So you think about it, throughout your entire career, right, this was the first coin that you handed out to an ex-Army guy, you know, just humbled. Yeah. That's, I, it's, that's awesome. And not to take anything away from you, I just wanted to oh, share yeah, that no. with you and, and, and help you explain, you're not the only one that picks your father, right? I mean, my boss picked his most of the people that we talk to and, and are going to interview are probably going to say their father. And yeah. that's, that's because the the life that they helped us live and, you know, they've guided us to this point. Set me up for success. That's exactly right. That's I, exactly. I got a story about the coins as well. So I, okay, go ahead. I got a bunch, you know, from the deployment, my performances, schools, all that, like best warrior competition yep. when I won the brigade and then the state one. Um, the most important one I ever have is my father's coin. He coined me right before we left for the deployment. And wow. that's, that one's on the front always. Absolutely. So, yeah, that reminded me of, you know, Mr. Tory and his father. Yeah, so. yeah. that's outstanding. Um, all right, so it, it'll probably bring us to our last point of the uh, podcast. So with everything that you've been through in your life, you know, growing up, your dad, I, I'm— the military, you know, and, and we preach leadership mm-hmm. um, in construction. I'm not, I'm not even going to single out our company. We look for the greatest leaders, right? And to me and this department and this company, we lean on our veterans, right? Because the military gives us the tools that we need to, mm-hmm. to be leaders. Yes, sir. Right? So with the military giving you that, and then through even school. So how is your adaptation into construction? How how has all that worked? I mean, has it been an easy transition? Has it been a hard transition? And and how do you think that it will help you, your military career? How do you think it will help you to succeed in construction? For me, it was pretty seamless. Okay. You know, coming through. So construction's pretty much set up the same way chain of command-wise as the military. And, you know, understanding, like for me as a squad leader right now, I understand 
all the positions below me, and then two positions above. That's what we're taught. That's right. You know, so taking that information and coming to construction, like I said earlier, you know, I learned positions above me when I started this internship. Yep. How it operates at the higher level. Yep. And now going into the field and working with the guys doing the field work, it was just really seamless. And I understand, you know, the chain of command, how everything operates. It, the military and construction go very, very well together on the operation side and even the planning side. That's right. That's right. Contingency plans, you know. I agree. You know, everything. So it was seamless for me. Um, taking the information I got from the military definitely helps. Definitely helps my my comprehension of what's going on, mm-hmm. why am I doing this, and how everything works, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And like you mentioned earlier, right, where <clears throat> or we both talked about where you're in the field, right, and all these, these older gentlemen see you out there, and they see you working, right? Well, then you leave. Of course, you're going to be finishing school, learning the, the office side of things, the business side. When they see you back on the job and they see you running jobs, whether it be on the control side or, or how, whatever, it's going to help them respect you. Mm-hmm. They see you out there busting mm-hmm. your tail, right? And it's the same thing in the Army, same thing in the Navy or whatever. People need to see you doing yeah. your job. I'm not going to be a Maybe better get boy. out there with them. Help them yeah. do their job, right? Mm-hmm. That makes great leaders. And our company definitely um, respects that, respects you as an individual. Um, I want to say that I, I respect you for coming out here, um, taking the time out of your day. I appreciate uh, it. It, it, it. It says a lot about you as an individual. It says a lot about this company. Um, it says a lot about your military unit. I mean, as we've seen, it's been super extraordinary. I, I, I can't say enough about what you guys are doing for our country, of course, yes, and the state of Louisiana. Um, is there anything you'd like to say before we cut off? No, I, I'm all good. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. This is a great experience, you know. Um, Again, it was a, an honor and a privilege to have you. I thank you, Staff Sergeant Rich, for coming out. Um, and, again, I'd like to thank everyone viewing in. Uh, we appreciate everyone for viewing. All you veterans, I, I want to say that I appreciate you, your service to this country, uh, and, and our communities, um, regardless whether you're guard, reserve, active duty, what branch, it doesn't matter. You wear the uniform. You stand up for the red, white, and blue. Uh, myself, I know Cade, the guy behind the camera again, John, I know we all, uh, we tip our hats to you and we thank you. And um, again, I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. Signing off.